to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. This is episode number 84, and Tiffany Davis is here with us today. Tiffany is actually a graduate from Owasso High School in 1995, and she grew up here, and she is going to tell a story about um, some domestic violence. So this is, this is the trigger warning. Um, we're going to talk a lot about domestic situations. Tiffany is a brave overcomer and because she was very brave and and to do the things that she did she's here today to tell us her story and we are putting this story out because we are hoping that it is a help to someone who's listening today maybe you are in a situation that's really really dangerous and scary and maybe you just needed to hear this today that Just like Tiffany, there's hope for you. So we hope that this conversation brings you hope and also gives you a lot of empathy for understanding how a situation like this is not as easy as you might wish to just walk out. It's just not as easy as you think. So listen in. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So, okay, so Tiffany and I know each other because we work out with each other almost every day. Almost daily. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Gosh, uh, newly Tiffany Davis. Used to be Tiffany Shroop. Congratulations on the marriage (laughs) to Tiffany, Mr. Davis. Uh, A lot of people in Owasso know me by Tiffany Hudson because I graduated um, in 1995. Um, Let's see. Lived in Tulsa all my life. Moved in, moved in with my sister when I went to high school because my parents wouldn't let me go to Tulsa public schools anymore because they put in metal detectors at that point in time. So my freshman year, I came out to Owasso, and the rest is history, I guess you'd say. I don't even know how to explain that. Um, but no, I I was married. Oh gosh, let's back up. I have a twenty four year old. Um, and right now I have a bonus kids. I have a 12-year-old uh, daughter, and then I have a bonus uh, 22-year-old son, um, Dylan in Boston. And so I kind of started all over. I had my son done in one and out, and now now we've got Boston. So we're learning, <laughs> learning all that good stuff. Um, let's see. Raised in the church, my... My dad had a Southern Gospel band my whole entire life. So oh, really? That's, yeah, that's uh, I've always been in the church. Um, I say that. I remember this morning at four o'clock this morning. Um, my mom had cancer when I was nine, and my dad and my mom had always, you know, in church, out of church. Um, his mom um, was very, very into church, um, and my mom got cancer, and I remember my dad was serious smoker and he would count how many cigarettes he had and if he didn't have enough he'd get up in the middle of the night and go to the store i remember him you know two three o'clock in the morning going to the convenience store and getting mm-hmm. cigarettes mm-hmm. and then my mom got cancer and he literally took the only pack he had and put it at san francis hospital put the pack on the pew in the church and never touched him again and then wow we were in church religiously (laughs) for the rest of my life like that was just I was raised on the front pew Mm -hmm. and you know I was there and so your mom's cancer really brought him back to the Lord and the whole family back to the Lord oh yeah that was 
was that was a that was a huge turning point for my whole entire family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister's eleven years older than I am, so at that point in time, she was mm-hmm. pretty much out of the house. And it was, I'm basically like an only child, so. Um, but yeah, always in church. My dad's he had a band. He is actually in a book. A gentleman wrote a book about all the Tulsa. Um, I guess one hit wonders is what you call them. Um, but there's a book at Ida Red in, in Tulsa. And this gentleman wrote about all the 1950s band that came out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my dad's, um, his record, gosh, I was trying to think of the word. His record is actually in that. And oh, wow. And he's got a picture. Awesome. And he, you know, his band is in there. And, like, he did this whole blog. And then he got to meet the gentleman and right before my dad passed away. So... That was a big ordeal um, for him that he was Very just, special. Yeah, he just was over the moon about that. So Ida Red is a fun little spot oh, in Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Downtown yeah. Tulsa. Yeah. Listeners, if you haven't ever been to that part of Tulsa, it's a fun place to go, and you can hear great live music and uh, around the area. The Vanguard is right there. And Anyway, it's All just cool. things Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Anything about Oklahoma, you can pretty much find an Ida Red. Um, so, yeah, so we... Um, Church, uh, Southern Gospel Band, uh, uh, revivals, revivals and revivals and revivals. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just mm-hmm. lived for revivals. So I can pack and unpack a trailer pretty well <laughs> 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 with music equipment. So um, so then, I'll see, I graduated in 95. Um, I, From Owasso High School, right? Owasso High School, okay. yeah. I had my son. Um and then we got married, and I was married to him for 20 years. Let's see, I left him in March. So 20 years, four months, hmm. pretty much to the day. <laughs> so you got married, like, right out of high school. Right out of high school, yeah. 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 I was big, fat, and pregnant in 21 when my grandma had a heart attack. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was in the ER celebrating my 21st birthday. Pregnant. Wow. <laughs> While my grandma was having a heart attack. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is not how I expected that to go down, but okay. Um, but you never know what life's going to throw you, so there's that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So much. Um, yeah. I am remarried. Uh, I've known Darren since high school. We met in high school. Gingers don't date gingers back then. So <laughs> we liked each other, but we were we would never admit that until now. Um, okay, so you and Darren liked each other in high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we were gingers, and you just gingers don't yeah. do gingers. I wasn't, that was, <laughs> I talk about getting picked on, poof. That would have been, yeah, not fun, probably not fun. <laughs> so, kept it to ourselves, that was it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I left my ex-husband after 20 years. I literally got in my RV and packed in four hours and left, so. Okay, so let's let's go backwards a little bit. So tell us because <laughs> that I have a feeling is you're afraid not. So tell us about about your first marriage. Okay, so my first marriage, um, I met him at work. Um, wow, I met him at work. I was a receptionist, and he was working the night shift, and he would always come in on Fridays and pick up his paycheck. And I was getting ready to go to lunch when he was picking up his paycheck one day, and I was talking to my friend that was standing there and I was like, well, I'm going to go get Subway. And he's like, Hey, how can I, can I go get Subway with you? And I was like, sure, why not? And, um, we were inseparable from day one and we were, got married within four months. We met on, we went on August 28th. We got married November the 14th, the day after my birthday. Um, and he Four was great. months, it's a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah, he was a whirlwind. <laughs> um, very good at um, all the right words. Um, very shy, supposedly, um, from a small town. Um, didn't have many many friends at all. Was going to ORU. Extremely intelligent. He did not have a senior year at high school. Oh wow! He actually scored so high on his SATs that he just they just went ahead. They and just took him. Just took him. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, he. Um, Extremely intelligent, extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely shy, extremely friendly, um, once you got to know him and everything was great. Everything was good. Um, you had no red flags of, Oh, something's wrong. No. Um, there's this thing I've, I've learned lately that you, when you're looking at a flag and it's flying directly at you, you can't see it. It kind of disappears. Um, and you Mm. don't see them until you're out of that. And then the, you know, the flags will turn sideways and you can see the flag. That's, Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the 
one of the things I've learned mm-hmm. most recently. And that's in any relationship. Yeah. Not just, you know, a marriage relationship. That's in any relationship. Um, Did anybody around you see it, though? Were, were there, like, none of your friends no, or anybody? No, It was very, very um, I mean, it was a fast. Shy. Yeah, it was shy. It was fast, yeah. It was mm-hmm. really fast. Um, he was very shy. He was very... He just didn't interact with a lot of people. I didn't see him interact with a lot of people, so mm-hmm. it was just basically us um, because he was from you know a small town here in Oklahoma, and so I didn't have any references. I didn't have any. I didn't have anything. I just this is you, and that's it. There it is. And so um, the first probably the first year and a half was good, and then um, I will never forget the. Um, the first melt, I called it a meltdown. The first meltdown that he ever had. And he, I don't even remember what he was wanting to argue about. He wanted to argue about something. And I remember him taking his fist and slamming them on a desk and just repeatedly screaming, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want from me. And just screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming and just slamming the desk. And that was, Were that was literally, oh yeah, I was sitting on the couch. My dad didn't act like that. My dad, mm-hmm. my dad would never act like that to my mother. I mean, they didn't argue in front of us, so yeah, I had no idea. Um, and I will never forget that. That was literally the beginning of the end. Mm. So, um, but that was like within the year two, mm-hmm. right? And you were married for 20 years. Yeah. 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 They, they progress. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know how narcissists progress. And they just, that's just what they do. They progress. Um, it starts out with a small thing and it just, they just add and add and add and add and add until you're, you're at the point that they're threatening to kill you. They're Hmm. abusing you. They're, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially draining you, just destroying you. Does a narcissist think only in terms of what I need? Mm -hmm. And really, not really see mm-hmm. what other people need. Yeah. Is that, or how would you define a narcissist? What is it that's going on in his head? Mm. Um, it is all about them. Uh, somebody compared um, uh, the other day to, um, and this is going to sound really strange, and you just really have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody compared them, and it's really hard to distinguish a narcissist from somebody with um, slight autism or somebody that's ADHD. Um, they get so fixated and so focused on them, on what, what's going on with them, that they don't, they, this, there's nothing past their arms. I mean, their arm's length, nothing exists outside that. It's, mm-hmm. it's whatever they're focused on. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's really hard to distinguish between those two from a narcissist because they kind of mirror each other. They kind of look the same. Um, so you really, to be a narcissist, you really need to, you know, you have to be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Right. We all know that most narcissists are not going to go get diagnosed. So that's just... Because they're not going to say, I think I have a problem, right? They're not the problem. (laughs) They're never going to say, I have the problem. Right. And it's it's like somebody with autism. um, They don't, they don't, they don't understand that, that, you know, them having a fixation is an issue. It's not an issue to them. They don't see it that way Mm -hmm. because it does, it's, it's not a thing to them. Like they just, it's normal to them. So narcissists, same way, their fixation and you're the problem, not them. They don't have the problem. It's everybody else has the problem. So, um, so it just progressed. It, it, it progressed. He didn't have any, I, I should have, I should have seen the flags, but, um, he never had a real girlfriend or anything like that. So after a fight though, would he apologize? Would he be nicer? Would it uh, get, at first, get better yeah. and then worse? At first there was, you know, I'm sorry. Um, mm. there was no... There was no, you know, flowers and, you know, coming in and actually having conversation. There is no conversation. There is no communication. There is no, you know, let's let's talk adult, like adults about this. You know, what is your feelings? What is their your feelings? You know, how do we come about, you know, how do we fix this? Or how mm-hmm. do we, that doesn't exist. Um, so at first there was some sorries, but there was no real apology. Um, and then the, then the cheating and the running around and... It just, it just progresses, you know, he, um, he started out with cheating on me, um, and then I was the problem, and I, I was the crazy person, and I had all the issues, and I'm the one that was insecure, and I was, 
even though I was finding all, you know, the, the messages on the phone and the phone calls and girls calling him at all hours of the night and, you know, I'd pick up the phone and, you know, there'd be some girl and they would hang up and, you know, of course, he's telling them that I'm the one with the problem that he's leaving and it just, mm. it just progressed from there. So then, um, and when I say progress, you know, it's the cheating and then it's the, the mental abuse um, and the emotional abuse and I, I need help and like, so I went to get help and I got, um, I was put on some medication and then, you know, I remember one specific fight where he grabbed the bottle and he's just like, this is what's making you crazy. And he dumps all my medication down the sink. What? So I'm just like, but you told me. So he to convinced go get help. you that you needed help. <laughs> and then once you did, did, then he. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he was manipulating mm-hmm. you all the time. All the time. It's a, it's a constant. It's an everyday. Every day, that is, that is the end game. It's what can I do to make it their fault? What can I do to manipulate the situation? What can I say to make it all about, you know, them having the problem, not me? Um, so that's, that's, that's the way they, they fix it on things. Um, so then cheating and then, you know, the making me, I'm the crazy one. And then, um, then it turned into throwing things, um, holes in the walls, throwing things across the room. One, one fight, I'm in the kitchen, and he made me sit down on the floor and cross my legs Indian style, and, um, because I had said something, because he was very intelligent, um, his grammar Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. spot on, um, he, I had said something that uh, didn't make sense to him, and I had said it incorrectly, Like you didn't use the right grammar? Yeah. So he was mad at you? He was mad at me. So I had to sit down. He made me sit down and cross my legs and um, uh, read read something out of a book. And I don't even remember what the book. I don't, I just been so long ago, I can't even tell you. Um, And so. Like as a punishment? He made you sit and read a book aloud? Just so he could make me feel stupid. (sighs) Yeah. So. Yeah. (laughs) Things I remember. Um. So then, you know, that progressed from there, and then the throwing things and things like that, and then um, he became type 2 diabetic, and he had um, back pain, and so, of course, then that becomes my fault, and that becomes my parents' fault, because he's working for my parents. How would he have said any of that was your fault, like becoming a diabetic? Because I, I, I wasn't cooking. Because right. you were cooking, right? I wasn't cooking well. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I didn't really cook. I wasn't a good cook. I am now, but I wasn't then. Um, I learned. I learned very quickly how to cook um, better foods, and so um, because I wasn't cooking the right foods, it was my fault. And then the back pain and everything was my fault because he was working for my parents, and then my parents had this truck, because he, he didn't know how to drive a stick, and so I had to show him how to drive a stick shift. Mm-hmm. And then apparently it was because the pedal was too stiff at this point in time. I was trying to remember what he was leaning on. Um, and so that was my fault, because he's working for my parents, and, you know, and I was like, well, then you can go find another job. Like, you know, I, it, to me, it's like, right. my, my parents have all known business my whole entire life, you just go. You just go take care of what you got to take care of. No big deal. But for him, that wasn't the case. And so, for somebody that was so intelligent, he could never get a good job. Just mind blowing. But um, that's a whole other thing. Like it was job after job after job. Most narcissists can't keep a job because they can't keep their um, thoughts and their feelings and their, I say feelings, their thoughts and their their ugliness to themselves. They usually end up spouting mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Um, on more than one occasion, I remember him losing jobs because he basically told somebody to go, you know, do whatever, mess off. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best word I can think of. Yeah. Um, so those types of words, um, numerous jobs, numerous jobs. Um, but you know, he continued to work for my parents, and I remember him coming home. He called me, and it was like three in the morning because my parents, my dad worked at night, the, what they do, and he, it was three in the morning. And he's screaming in the phone. And he had attacked my dad. Oh, my goodness. Like, physically? Yeah, he attacked my dad. And um, so he was walking 
from wherever they were, whatever job site they were at. And um, Was it construction, middle of the night construction? No, my parents cleaned grease exhaust systems um, for restaurants and things. Grease so, exhaust, okay. Yeah, so those little venta hoods that you see yes. on top and then the grease thing traps underneath when they're yeah. back there cooking, they clean those. Okay. Um, so um, I don't even know what restaurant they were at. I couldn't even tell you. But I know he was walking down Yale in Tulsa. And so I went and got him and brought him home because I'm still like, what, what happened? You know, what is going on? What happened? And so, um, yeah, he's like, I, it's me or them. And I mean, that's just, that was a whole nother thing. Like, that was a whole nother ball, ballpark, um, that we got into is, you know, now my parents are against him and, you know, they're terrible people and like, I mean, to this day, he'll, he'll tell you my mother is just a horrible person. She's, the sweetest, kindest person I'll ever meet. And that's not just me saying that. Right. I mean, just in general, she mm-hmm. just is. Everybody loves my mother um, and my dad. And so, yeah, that was one instance. Um, so that that turned into now I'm getting choked and I get slapped. and I Like he would hit. put his hands on your neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember passing out a couple of times. Mm. Um, How many times in all of these terrible events would you have the thought of I've got to get out of here yeah I was like I'm gonna die this is this is what happens this is how I die but then you would feel like I just can't leave yeah. because he's got such a grip on you yeah. and you have a kid yeah was yeah. that was was that a lot of what was keeping you there no um leaving with with the boy was not that was never an issue that was just not a thing um it was just I'm a fixer Mm-hmm. And he and they'll they prey on that. Um, they condition you that you're the problem and you need to fix it. And nobody's ever gonna love you because you're a problem. Um, and being an empath that I am, that's that's what I do. That's I still do it to this day. I'm a fixer. If I can't fix the problem, I will do whatever it takes to try to fix that problem. Um, and he, they they condition you to do those things. And they condition you that you have to solve the problem. That they can't so you have to and did your son see him abusing you you know I was really I thought I was good at it <laughs> he says that I wasn't that great at it but um I never I I tried 110% to not ever let him see everything um I would send him to my mom's or I would you know call my mom and say hey, can you guy can we can you come I pick him up and or he would go over to his little friend's house and I, I mean, I was the best actress. Like, I, mm-hmm. Academy Award mm-hmm. winning. I could hide anything. Nobody knew. Nobody had any idea. No one, none of your friends knew that you were in a terrible, terrible mm-hmm. situation. Nobody knew. Nobody. Nobody had any idea. Did my your parents mom, know? My mom figured it out. I mean, after the whole incident with yeah. my dad, um, they thought that was just with my dad. And, that it, you know, they didn't realize it was with me. And then, um, uh, this is the hard well, one. When you would would keep that pretending, were you doing that to just keep it like, I just need everyone to think it's fine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. To protect tomorrow them? Tomorrow will be different. Tomorrow will be tomorrow, uh, You'll believe him. Be He's going to be different yep. tomorrow. Every, tomorrow will be different. Everything yeah. will be different tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. he'll wake up a different person. If I cook this meal right or if I give him this medication or if I get this doctor. Because you've been this. conditioned for 20 years in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and the boy figured it out when he was, when he was 15. Um, you could always tell when he was leading up to a meltdown. I call them meltdowns. So, you know, like just for days. So on Sunday, he's mad at you for the heat is on. And on Monday, he's mad because the heat was on and now you're just this or... And it would just progressively get worse over a couple of days. And so usually by day three or four, it was a full-on meltdown. And I knew it was coming. I knew that it was either I was going to get beat or we were going to get in this huge knockdown, drag-out fight. And it just—it always happened that way. I, it, it, was, it was always that way. There was no—it was always the pattern. Um, but it was a Sunday. He was in school, and I was getting him through his master's degree. And, um, he was supposed to go to a, um, yeah, you did teams, 
the like a the team college, project. Yeah, the college that he went to. They mm-hmm. did teams because it was it was adult school. Mm-hmm. It was adult night school, and so um, can't even tell you what we get into about. He got he got Matt something, um, and his social anxiety was just through the roof, and so. And you could always tell when he was getting ready to go to those, he'd get upset or he'd get, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm not going to finish, blah, 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 blah. And I would try, try to talk him down. And the boy happened to be home that night. And um, he he lost it. Like, he lost it. Started chasing me through the house, um, pushed the boy down, kicked him. So the first time he'd, like... That was the first time he ever laid hands on the boy. He had never, he had never, never laid hands on the boy. And, um... All I could think was he had just got a gun and I I ran and I grabbed that gun while he was he went to the bedroom for something and Shelby locked himself in his bedroom and I found the gun and I I hit it. Um and I just I was like, You 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 can go leave, everything's fine, just leave, just go to your thing. And, you know, he's still coming at me, still coming at me, you know, hitting me, pushing me, punching me, just whatever. And, um, and then all of a sudden he just, it was like a switch and he just grabbed his school stuff and left and I watched him leave. And I Mm. grabbed the boy and the boy grabbed a bag and I grabbed a bag and we grabbed the dogs and we lived in Berry Hill at the time in this neighborhood and between all the houses, there was trees. There was always, there was, was kind of very, um, not very, you know, like neighborhood-ish. It was just, there's trees and rivers and things like that over in Berry Hill. And I remember thinking to myself, he can't watch us leave. He can't see us. He, we have to hide. And I'm calling my mom and I'm trying to be quiet and we're back in these trees and I'm watching him and he circles the block and he goes back around and then he actually leaves the neighborhood. And so I call my mom. And so I was at hers for four days and DHS came and, you know, we talked about it. And my son was like, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, it's okay. No big deal. And I was like, my kid just played it off. Like, no big deal. Like, this is not like, a big this deal. Is not, this is not normal. Like, my mind, this is not normal. Um, but I knew if we left, it would be worse. So like at that point in time in your life, you're just like, what do I do? Like Mm -hmm. if if I leave, he'll come find me. If I don't leave, he's still going to come find me. Like either way, he's, I'm, I'm in either way, either way, it's going to be bad. It doesn't matter either way. And so you just keep going and you just think to yourself, tomorrow will be different tomorrow's going to be tomorrow's going to be different and I can't tell you how many doctors I tried to get him into and psychologists and psychiatrists and pain medicine and pain doctors and just and I work for insurance company medical insurance company so I know all this stuff like I I know all this stuff Mm -hmm. and I know how to find you know doctors and different things and you're just Tomorrow will be different. Tomorrow will be better. I mean, something, something, something will give. Did you still keep it all a secret at that yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. My mom, you know, she was like, you know, I know, I know some of what's going on, but I don't know how bad it is. And I was like, it's not bad. You know, it's okay. Everything's fine. Downplaying everything. Everything's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. Everything's fine. And so you're just trying to keep it together at that point in time. You're just trying to hang on to whatever you have, mm-hmm. so you don't lose everything. Like you're, people are like, you should just leave and. You just can't just leave. Like, it doesn't work that way. And for everybody that's out there, it just doesn't work like that. You don't just leave um, unless you're prepared. It takes seven times to leave somebody. Really? Yeah. Most 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 people, it takes seven times. Seven yeah. times of just attempting to walk out the door? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whether that be in your head, whether you actually physically pack a bag... Whether you actually physically get down the street, whether you get in a car, whether you go stay at a friend's, whether you stay at your parents. I mean, at least seven times before somebody will, is mentally prepared to leave a situation. That's any situation. I've, I've talked to people that, you know, they have narcissistic parents and they can't leave their parents. They're just wrapped up in everything that, you know, they, mm-hmm. they still have a relationship with them. And they still go into this, you know, this madness of, you know... 
So it sounds like a lot of the issue is boundaries. Uh Like people that have narcissism don't have boundaries, and then you start not having those boundaries. Uh So everything just kind of starts melding together. It's whatever makes them happy. Whatever, whatever, whatever makes the moment okay. It doesn't have to be a great moment. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a happy moment. It's whatever makes the moment okay. That's it. There's nothing else. You don't have anything. There's nothing else to focus on. You're, you will do whatever it takes to make them happy. Um, this interesting story. So we've been separated for a while. My son didn't talk to him for months. Like I, I had no contact for at least six months. Um, my son didn't talk to him for almost a year. Um, and so uh, earlier this, this year, um, he was at the gym with Darren and working out. Your son was. Yeah. He was with, he was with my husband and he said, I've never seen Shelby look like that. And he said, you could just tell that just something just switched. And he said, Shelby picked up the phone and I knew that he was instantly talking to his dad. And he said, Shelby just automatically turned into this child. And you could just see it on his face and you could hear it in his voice. And so Shelby comes in and because he's, he has, they had, he has dinner with us all the time. And so he's like, I want to talk about it. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. What happened? And so his dad had called him and was screaming at him about a trailer that he had to move this trailer. And you're a piece of crap if you don't have an answer for me. And I don't want nothing else but an answer. And by God, you better come up with an answer. And I need this moved right now. And if you can't come up, you're just a piece of crap like your mom. You're worthless. Just just screaming. He said, Mom, he was just screaming at me. And he said, for five seconds, I went back to the kid mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. high school. And he said, I was trying to literally think of anything in my head to make the situation okay. And whatever I could say to him to make it better. And he's like, dad, uh, whatever I need to do. And he, he said, I heard myself say that. And he said, you know what, dad, I don't have to put up with this. And he just hung up the phone and he didn't call him back. And his dad didn't call him back. And he said, it literally took him to scream at me to put me back to the old, the old things. Like, I literally, he said, I literally wanted to just make it better. I wanted to make it stop. Mm-hmm. And whatever mm-hmm. I had to do to make it stop, yep. to make it better, that's what I was going to do. And he said, I looked at Darren, and he thought, I don't have to do this anymore. But that's such him. a good point, because people will say that a lot, of like, why do they keep going back? Mm-hmm. Or even, like, people in generational situations, right. like generational poverty, generational abuse, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why do they keep returning? When that's all you know, that is all, all you know. You know. Yeah. That is that is it's like all you know. Like being a farmer or a mechanic or a teacher or a wife or it doesn't matter. That's all yeah. you know. You're conditioned to do those things, and you you figure out how to make it better because that's what they want. They right. want you to figure it out, and you just continually do that until you don't know any different. You don't know how to be any different. You don't know how to get out of that. And so I did not know what a narcissist was the whole time I was married. Never heard of it. Didn't know what existed. Nobody had ever said that to me. And then I stumbled upon this. It was like a blog of somebody's. Excuse me. And this lady just literally was describing everything he does. Like mm-hmm. It was just like, it was like reading my life. Wow. Were you thinking, like, how did she know this? <laughs> I was just like, what the heck is this word? And so then I started Googling the word. And then I so it just, I went down this rabbit hole of what do I do? Because at this point in time, we're rolling up on 20 years. Nothing is changing. And I, so I figured out this narcissist word. I figured out what it was. And the earlier that year of our 20, our 20th was in November. This is probably February of that year. So right before your 20-year anniversary? Yeah. Okay. So February of that year, I found this blog, started doing all this research. I instantly was like, I can leave. I can get out of this. I can, because this lady was telling you how to go no contact and how to gray rock somebody and how to not. What is gray rock? Gray rock is when you are um, simple answers. Like if you're asking me, how's my day? fine that's it that's all you say you don't continue to have a conversation it's one word things or enough to answer the question and that's it you just 
cut it off. Mm-hmm. So I started out, I started with that and I started saving money. Um, and so I had planned to leave in February and, um, so I, I said to myself, I said, you know, I was like, my dad had already passed away and my mom was, you know, trying to help me as much as she could because she, you know, she kept seeing everything and it was just building and building and building. And, and so, um, I told my friend about this narcissist because I, I was just like, I think your boyfriend's one. <laughs> so we started talking about that. And so I, I didn't tell her everything. I just told her, you know, and, um, because my friends knew if we went anywhere, if I disappeared, we left because he was uncomfortable or he was having a meltdown or something was wrong or he didn't feel good. They knew. Everybody knew. Like, it was just, it was a thing. Like, if we were there and we weren't there the next minute, they all knew we were gone. So they're starting to see some flags. Yeah, they're seeing things, but they don't know what it is. They have no idea what it is. Okay. They don't know how abusive he is. They've, uh, he's he he was good at hiding marks and not mm-hmm. leaving marks. Um, I, I he did leave one across my face one time. Um, he just open handed, um, and I I had to figure out how to cover that up because I'm a supervisor at work and I have to go in and face my staff mm. with this huge handprint across what my face. What did you do? I figured out how to put makeup on, and then I just went and bought all this makeup and just put it all on. Like, I had never worn that much makeup in my entire life. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I guess this is what we're going to do. So that was one thing. So I I started I started planning then. And then our anniversary came around, and he had been telling me all year that he had all these plans. He had no plans <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, I ended up, like, two days before our anniversary making plans <laughs> and I was like okay well there's your sign you know because I was just like you know mm-hmm. God will give me a sign everything will be fine he'll give me a sign and I was like this is I'm leaving I'm leaving in the next six months that's my plan I am I've got money started saving up I've got I have my 1989 overhead RV van <laughs> <laughs> I have enough space for the dogs I can find a way out I can go no contact I, I can do this and so, um, the moment that I set everything into place, I had, I had paid off my car. We had sold this truck. I paid off my car. And it was right when um, they were doing all the, uh, the marijuana stuff for pain. Legalization, legalization from medical. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, he works for Cherokee Nation. They were not going to follow that. You, it was not, you couldn't get a card and actually, you, if you tested positive, you were fired. Um, and so apparently he found that out that day and I had went and paid off my car and he came and picked me up and we're in the car and he's like, he's mad. He had been building up the last three days and, um, he's, I could already tell he's getting ready, just full on meltdown. We're on the highway and... He said, did you get a receipt? And I was like, for my car payoff? And he's like, yes. And he's, and I said, no. And he grabbed my head and he takes my head and he slams my face into the center console <sighs> and holds my face down and just keeps slamming my face. Into, oh. And I have my sunglasses on. So he cut my face and he's slamming mm. it down and he's screaming at me. Mm. And... We get on, we lived at Mounds at this time, and we get on the highway, go in that direction, and he's still screaming at me and, you know, slapping me, and you're stupid, and how dare you, and I, you know, you're, you're doing this, and you're hiding money, and, and at that point in time, I was like, I can't lie to him, but I'm not going to tell him, because I did take $500 out of it, because it was my money, but I did take $500, because I had been saving up my money. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I I I had the job for you know, fourteen years at the time. He had the job hopped for ever. So I'm like, this is my money. <laughs> like this is my money. <laughs> my car, I paid it off. And so, I'm thinking, he's he's going to kill me in this car. And we pull over. He pulls over and he's like, get out. And before I could get out, he grabs me, and he choke holds me and I pass out Oh, and I know we're on the side and I, and I kind of come to, and I remember 
I have my bag and my feet and it's my got my computer, my work computer in it. And I'm like, I'm responsible for that. That's all I could think is I'm responsible for that. And so I get out and I was like, whatever you want, whatever you want. And I get out of the car and I'm watching cars go by me. And I thought, nobody's going to stop. Not one of this part. Nobody's going to stop. Nobody has any idea. No, he's not. Nobody's going to stop. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's doing anything. He's bashed my head in. And at that point in time, he had slammed my head into the side of the car door. <sighs> and then he's screaming at me to get back in. So I get back in and I get my phone down here and I text my son 911 because he's at home. I know he's at home. And I, ke- I text him 911 and he starts calling. And so he grabs my phone and throws it in the backseat. And so my son's just blowing up my phone and he knows something's wrong. And he's 18 at the time. And... Um, we pull in, and my son's standing there, and he's got a gun in his hand. And so he pulls in the drive, and it's a huge drive, because we live on 10 acres at that point in time. So it's a big old driveway, and so he slams on the brakes, and he stops right there, and he throws, he slams the car door. And I had all the money that I had gotten um, to give him, and I put it in the center console. And I get out, and I just take off running. And, uh, and Shelby's like, what is wrong? What is going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he took off to the, the house. And he was headed in to get his gun. I knew where he was going. And I just told Shelby, I was like, just get in the truck. Just just, just go. Let's, we have to go now. And he's like, no, we don't. I was like, yes, we do. We have to go now. And so we got in the car, and we left. So we come back, and, you know, my head is huge and I've, my, I've got knots all over the top of my head because he just hit my head so many times on the oh. side of the car and so I'm thinking to myself this is I'm going to die he's going to kill me this is this I'm going to die this is where this is mm-hmm. what this is it's either I leave or I die and um so I'm still saving money and I'm still doing it and did you where did you go at that point that day where did you that, go well we had a house and then we had the shop and my son had an apartment in the shop so we stayed in the shop and he stayed in the house he didn't try to come over there he didn't come over there or anything because usually he would go in take all of his medication and he would just pass out pass out and okay so um so then you know I come home, and we didn't talk for two days. That was a Wednesday. Yeah, we didn't talk for two days. Um, he comes home on a Friday, and he's like, I want to talk about this. And I was like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And he's just like, um, you didn't ask me what was wrong. And I was like, what? He goes, you didn't ask me what was wrong. You didn't ask me why I was upset. He goes, that's why I hate you, because you didn't ask me what was wrong. Mm. <sighs> and I was like, I'm sorry. You beat me in the car because I didn't ask you what was wrong. And he's like, yep. He said, you should ask me what was wrong. He's like, they're not going to let me get my medical card. And I, I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, you didn't bother to care. <sighs> Which I didn't know. I had no idea what was going on. He didn't tell me, so I didn't even know to ask, let alone, why Regardless, would I ask? <laughs> who cares? Right? right? And I was like, so... That's why you beat me. And he's like, yeah. And no remorse. Nope. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Mm. So I really put in the gray rock. I really go. I go full on. We are, we are in leave mode. We are this. I go into January 1st and I was like, we're doing this. So I was giving myself until June to make sure I had enough money because I was getting a big bonus in March. Making sure I could take care of myself. Making sure the boy had somewhere to go. How was I going to pack what? When I was going to pack it? How I was going to do it? Because I was going to leave while he was gone. And um, so three months go by. You know, it's it's not as bad as that moment, but it's still bad. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill the dogs. I'm going to kill the boy. I'm going to kill your parents. I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to kill oh that person. Oh, goodness. It's just, it was just all the time. So uh, Sunday, he goes in and, you know, he is, we're on a four-day or a three-day meltdown. And it gets worse, worse. It started with I had the heater on the car, and it's my fault because I'm an idiot because I'm cold all the time, and he's hot, and I'm just stupid, and so it just started from there. So Wednesday, he's like, it'll all be over soon. It won't matter. I'm just going to kill you today, and I'll kill myself. 
he said, he said, the boy will be lucky if I kill him mm. before I get to you. He said, well, um, and he had, he had, he had buried his dog the day before and he didn't tell me if he killed her or what because she couldn't see, she was blind, she couldn't, she, she couldn't, you know, we had to take her outside, potty, like they were going to put her down anyway. So he just put her down the night before. Didn't tell me, didn't, didn't care to tell me what happened, nothing. So I come home to the dog gone. And so Wednesday, he's just like, he tells me all that. It'll be over soon. No big deal. It'll all be gone. So at noon, it was literally straight up noon. I, I said, I'm sorry for everything. I just texted to him and I blocked him on everything. I called my son. I called my mom. I called my sister. I said, I'm headed home. I've got four hours to pack because he worked in Tahlequah at the time. It was an hour and 15 minutes. I knew exactly when he would get home on the dot. I said, I've got four hours. I literally went home, cleaned out all my stuff, cleared out the house, cleared out this, the boys' apartment, and had a U-Haul, and had my RV, and had the dogs, and was gone. And I in four hours? For six year, or for six months. In four hours, yeah. It's gone. Gone. Just packed it up. I'm so glad you had the bravery to go. Most people can't do that, though. That's, that's the yeah. sad part. I mean, you stay. So tell me this, because people are going to ask. Why not call the police? That's a hard one. That's a, that's a, such a I hard know. one because it's such a, it is, it is hard not to call the police, but it's hard to call the police at the same time because when you call the police, then you know that you are, that the, that it's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worse. No matter what you've done, it will be worse. Um, DHS was the only thing that was ever called on that one that one incident, and so it was worse. It was ten DHS worse. made it worse. Yeah. I mean it. Yeah, just calling that, them. At yeah. That time. yeah, just calling them because then I'm a piece of crap and he didn't trust me and da 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 da. So you should call the police because that's the only way you're getting out of it, um, and that's the only way you're gonna get. There's a new law. And I don't know what states are, are doing it right now. I'm trying to research it. I've, I've got a lot to, to, to figure out. Um, but there's a new law. And there's a woman that, that killed her husband. And she, they find her at a stoplight. And she's just sitting there. And her kids are asleep in the back seat. And she's covered in blood. And they're like, what happened? <laughs> you know, what, did you, what happened? So they figure out that she so she killed him, and she killed him in self defense. And the only reason she got a lighter sentence is because she had documented and she had called. And it's a domestic abuse law that they've tried. They're starting to put in place. And had she not called, or had she not had all this documentation, and I mean, she's got documentation, hundreds of pages of documentation. Text messages, phone calls, police reports, um, friends, you know, text messages from friends back and forth about what's going on. Mm. Um, A teacher, she's got all the stuff. And, you know, she said, she said, I knew that if I left, it would just be worse, you know, but, but she would always call the cops. So, should you call the cops? Yeah, I mean... I don't have an answer to that. I just really don't have an answer. So what would be the signs if we're if you're like friends with somebody that's going through this mm-hmm. or a family member, what are signs to look for? Oh gosh. Leaving the party early. <laughs> Leaving the party early. <laughs> that's a really big sign. Um cut being cut off from your friends, being cut off from your family, um, having some women get into it that and I say women, men can too. Um I I know several men that are on the uh, the, you know, the receiving side, mm-hmm. um, financial. Uh, some are have no access to any kind of finances whatsoever. They're given an allowance, um, and then some are they take care of everything because you know the narcissist doesn't want to deal with anything, so they have to be responsible for everything, and so they're drowning in the narcissist debt um, because they're spending everything. They're just out there blowing and going, whatever it is. That's what he did. Um, so it, it just, there's just so many things out there that sometimes it's hard to tell if it's, if it's just a person's personality or if it's actually this. And mm-hmm. there's a fine line between those two. 
and so if you've been cut off from your friends and you've been cut off from your family and Mm -hmm. you're financially you don't have anything to go by Mm -hmm. what do you do where are you supposed to go that's the question for these women for these women or men yeah right there's there's a netflix documentary that's called made Mm -hmm. it's really good it's very good Though where she lived, it was hard for them to get services and resources. It's not that hard here. In the state of Oklahoma, not that hard. There's a domestic violence um, shelter that you can contact. There are domestic violence 800 numbers. I mean, they're just everywhere. Just any, anything and everything you can Google. You can literally look up. Well, and we can put those in show notes. Yeah. What, let us know what those names are, and we'll put them in the show notes. Okay. There's, there's all types of, of contacts. Um, your therapist, your psychiatrist, your doctor, your attorney. Um, uh, if you're in any kind of Indian reservation, um, if you're Cherokee, if you're um, Choctaw, if you're uh, Fox, if you're Wyandotte, they they have mm. a mass amount mm-hmm. of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk to somebody. Um, they, you can always conceal. And you can always hide things from your from your person, and and it doesn't even have to be a spouse. It could be a parent. It could be there are children that are narcissists, and they are you know 20, 25, 30 years old treating their parents this way. There, it's not just a marriage. It's not just a boyfriend. It's it's everybody. Like anybody and everybody can be a narcissist, and it's it's how you treat the relationship, and. How, how, how do you get help and what type of help you get, you know, is, is the only difference. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to feel like you were really free when you left that time, that big, brave day and you, mm-hmm. the four-hour packing? Um, I could track him. I had a GPS on his phone. Um, and I watched him. This is on Friday. I left Wednesday. This is on Friday. I watched him. Um... He somehow he figured out how to get around my block on my Facebook and sent me this horrible messages. Um, and on Saturday morning, I watched him drive to Academy and then drive to the pawn shop and then drive to my mom's house. Mm. And um, I had to talk to him. This is probably a year after, and I had to we we had paperwork that we had to work out and everything. Like a year after you left him. Yeah, and I said, um, I wish you go to the pawn shop. He's like, yep. He said, you hid my guns? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yep, I bought a gun and went to your parents' house looking for you. And I had watched him. I knew what he was doing. I knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but it was that point in time that he just fessed up. And I was just like, it's a year, and I'm still horrified of you. I'm, I'm horrified of you. I'm, I'm, but that's God's protection. You is. knew where he was going. You knew yeah. what he was doing, oh, yeah. and he fessed up oh, to what yeah. he was doing. Oh, yeah. That was, the only, that was the only reason I got out of there, is, is God had a plan for that. I mean, that was it. There is no, there is no other way. He had 17 guns. Oh. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. I hid them all. 17? <laughs> yeah. I left. When I was leaving, me and the boy went and got all his guns out, and we put them in the storm shelter, which we never went into. Ever, never, never, ever used it. Was there for almost two years. Never used it. And he lost his mind. That was the text message on Friday night. Where's my guns? Blah, 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 blah. Just, I mean, just tearing me up. And I was like, I don't have them. <laughs> I don't really have them. They're in the house under your nose. He never found them. <laughs> <laughs> never found them. But, yeah, and he still has them all to this day. He, he, he finally got them. He got them in the divorce because he put that on the paperwork. And, um, yeah, I, to this day. I'm, I still. So now you're married to Darren. <laughs> let's change it all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Hold so on. you got reconnected with him from high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. My dad sent him. I know he did. Here's mm-hmm. your dollars to you. Dollars to And it's a totally different relationship. Yeah. It's communication and we don't, we I think we've argued once in three years, and it wasn't even really an argument. I don't even know what you call it. It was just like, I don't really agree with you, so what are we going to do? So, yeah, completely different person. Works. 
He's been in his job for 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> has his own stuff, has his own place, takes care of his own money. Um, treats his family like gold. Um, his mom is a narcissist. So there's that. So we deal with that. Um, it's It's been rough for him. Um, because we live on the same property he owns he owns their house and our house and so they um, they're up front and it's it's a daily thing for him you know I have to remind him you know this is this is how you would you know try to do this and you know we we talk about it and uh, you know he looks up things and listens to podcasts like I do and tries to deal with you know those things but I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be a spouse. It doesn't have to be anything like mm. that. So yeah. everybody has to deal with it. Everybody, everybody's dealing with it on some level. Even even kids at school. I mean, those kids that are bullying other kids, those are narcissists in training. <laughs> like, and that's sad that you have to deal with that. So we watch we watch a lot of what um, his daughter does and online social media. She's not allowed to have any of that. And um, so we we haven't. It's a ridiculous ridiculous relationship like <laughs> I, I at first I felt bad I did I felt really bad for my friends because I was just like you know they're like we're arguing and I'm like uh, we don't argue like I used to I used to have all that I get it I understand it and so for a while it took me a long time to actually talk about Darren and talk about how good it is and how talk about how wonderful it is and talk about how good he treats me and how well we get along and you know, we could sit on the porch for hours on end and literally just listen to music and talk and or not talk and just, you know, it took me a very long time to actually be able to talk about those things because I would feel bad because I know what some of these other women are going through. And it's it was hard to watch other people have good relationships. So I, mm. I remember those types of things. Do I still have triggers? Yes. Do I have PTSD? Absolutely. There are things that Darren does and I have to stop and I just look at him and I'm like, that's a trigger and I just have to walk away because I can't handle it. Um, it's always going to be there. It's never going to go away. I mean, regardless of what kind of relationship I have with him, I'm always going to have these triggers. I'm mm -hmm. always going to have this PTSD. I'm always going to have nightmares. I'm always going to have social anxiety in certain situations. I still find myself trying to figure out a path of out of a party. Like, I used mm. to have to think about those things. You know where the exits are. I know ex mm. all the exits are. I know exactly how to leave. I know exactly where I can go. I know exactly how to get out of there. And it has nothing to do with him because he'll stay all night long. And he will talk with everybody all night long. And he will play cards. And he will play pool. And he will um, just, he'll karaoke. Like, I don't have to, but I do. You just never, that never goes away. Um... You just, but you're with somebody now who understands that and doesn't get offended when you go. Right. That's a trigger, right? Yeah, he just he, it, he doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hurt his feelings. Um, yeah, and he understands those types of things. So because he's dealing with them. And your story now is a message of hope for other people. Uh -huh. That's right. To get out right. and that there's a better plan. Yes, you you have to you have to get out. At what point in time you do that is you have to mentally prepare for that, and it's. It may take you once, it may take you seven times, but don't, don't not think that, that there's not hope. I mean, yeah. if you, if you need anything, you can, you can call me, you can contact me, you can Facebook message me, you can call my phone, I will give my cell phone number out, <laughs> like, I will help you. Uh, my cousin has resources, that's what she, this is what she does for a living. We have, we have ways to get you out. I can get you out. It may not be pretty. It may not be the best situation in the world for you for the first couple of days, the first couple of months, the first year. But it's better than being dead. Yeah. It is. It is. And that's sad. And that's... And I know that there are people out there right now that will hear this. And a dead victim is not the way to be. Don't don't go out that way. Just don't, don't, don't think that that's the only way you're going to leave because that's not. Hmm. There, there are other ways to, to deal with this. Um, it's scary. It's horrifying. It's, it's all of those things. But I mean, your church, there's people at church that can help. There mm -hmm. are people that mm -hmm. will, 
I will hide you. <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will put you in my RV. <laughs> I will, I will do anything to help anybody to leave that situation. And again, it's not just a spouse. It's there's all types of these situations out there. There's mm-hmm. all types of people out there that are going through this with certain with other people, and there's just. There's no reason to live like this because tomorrow is not going to be any different. It's not. They're not going to change. They're, they don't change. Um, my, my thing is, as I always say, is the narcissist um, never changes. They only become better narcissists. Mm-hmm. That's it. They, they know how to become a better narcissist. Mm-hmm. They will adapt and they will change. Um, and you have, to, you have to seek the help that you can because that's just, that's just not going to change. It's never going to go away. They don't go away. They don't, they don't take a magic pill and become better. Most of them will never get diagnosed. Um, so go, you know, God is always there. I mean, he's been there since I was, well, since my dad laid down the cigarettes when my mom got cancer when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always been there. Like he's always been there, you know, and, he will send you. Yeah. He will send you something. He'll he always send, give you a way out. What is the thing mm-hmm. that they you the people that were sitting on the house and it's flooding and he sends a boat and a helicopter <laughs> yeah. and a plane and the, he will send you something and you may not see it at first. You know, it may take seven times for you to see it, but look for those things. Look yeah. for those. Look for the boat. Look for the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Look for the raft. It, they're there. They're yeah. there. Yeah. And that's. I I want to so tell much. you that <laughs> I I just really value how brave you were to do what you did to save your money, to take the steps you needed to take, and if you had not done that, you might not be alive today. Mm-hmm. And because you did, and because you gathered up that four hours packing madness and just (laughs) you made a new life for yourself and here you are it's a completely different world it is it is and you don't have to i mean i i I literally went to an rv park in claremore and hid i lived in my van my (laughs) rv van (laughs) like it's it's the floor. I actually got to redo the floors. I had to actually plan that, so I had actually redone the floors. That's about as far as I got. But I had the floors redone. <laughs> but I had been planning that whole entire time, and I literally hid out in a an RV park in Claremore. You you don't have to go to a hotel. You don't have to. You know you can find something. Mm-hmm. I have I have an RV. You can borrow. <laughs> Did you have your son with you in the RV? He was 18 at the time. So he was already on his own. Yeah, well, he was living in the, the apartment, and he was uh, he had a little job, and he was uh, going to tech. Okay. And so um, he actually went and moved in with his buddy. His buddy had just bought a house, and I didn't even know where it was at. So um, he's, that's where he went, and so he stayed there. He lived there for about a year. Um, he's got another place now, but... Um, He's fixing to buy a house. He's lost 157 pounds. <laughs> wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, this year he just, he said, I don't have to be miserable. I don't have to be like my dad. I don't have to be. And so he's so responsible. Oh my gosh, he's so responsible. He's got a truck and he's got a motorcycle and he pays his bills and he makes more than I do now. <laughs> like us. Like, how did you do that? Because it took me 15 years to make that much money. <laughs> but um, when when you leave, you you do change. Things mm-hmm. do change. Um, you do find other people. You do find people that love you and, and want to take care of you and want to, to communicate with you. And my son's over at my house, at least, I see him more now than I did then. Um, mm-hmm. Because he never wanted to be home. He right. never wanted to be around his dad ever. Like uh, he just never wanted to be home, so he was gone as much as possible. I was lucky the day that we pulled in because yeah, he was home. Had yeah, had it had he not been home, I I don't know what would have happened because it it escalated pretty badly that mm-hmm. day. Um, so it people it 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 is possible. It is possible to change. It is possible to go out and find a different life and and rebuild. Mm-hmm. And you may sit and eat Roman noodles or romaine noodles for months. And you may have to have four jobs and you may have to, you know, take the bus, but that's, that's better than getting beat every day or Mm -hmm. being emotionally drained every day or 
physically drained and mentally drained and literally losing your whole entire being mm-hmm. that it, I, I would mm. I would live in my RV 10 times again well thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us yes and we hope that, that the much. people <laughs> <was a> lot. <laughs> listening to this would if there's somebody out there that's just hanging on by a thread and not knowing what to do we just hope that by hearing your brave story that they will say okay there's hope for me too and 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 God is with you Always. where wherever you are out there God mm-hmm. is there and he's a prayer away so yeah. he's with you and he will provide a way out for you Listeners, we're so glad you were here today to be with us and, and hear Tiffany's story. You know, sometimes, like Tiffany shared, you can't see something that's right in front of your face. Um, she used an example of the flag that's blowing with a full wind, making that flag be straight out. But if you are standing right in front of it, it's hidden from your sight. And so maybe this was just a way for you to see, oh my goodness, this is this is the situation I'm in. And if you are in a situation where you are being abused, we want you to get help today. Today is the day to make the phone call. We are gonna put in our show notes to place some links of resources for you. And I just want to let you know that you are precious in God's sight, that He loves you and He cares for you and He will give you strength. Isaiah 41:10 says, So do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's with you. So let's be on the lookout with our friends and family. And if you know somebody or you've noticed some red flags, try check in on them and see if everything's going okay. And if you um, are in a situation where you start seeing some flags, you need to start looking for some resources and some ways to get out of that because that is not God's plan. God's, God does not plan for us to be abused mentally, physically, any of those ways by somebody else. So um, we appreciate you all listening, and we hope this is helpful for you all. If you need any help, again, we will have resources in our, in our show notes for you to look up if you need those. We hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.